Welcome back everyone. Today we're going to get into the introduction to fly fishing. I have been a fly fisherman for oh, 50 years. Yeah, 45 years. Uh, I was probably 10, 12 watching my uh, my uncles up in Pennsylvania uh, fly fish. I uh, I think my first fly rod came from my Uncle Rex. It was a old bamboo rod uh, built in Japan right after World War II. Uh, as fly rods go, it was not all that terribly good, uh, but I caught a whole bunch of bluegill on it. Anyway, let's go ahead and get jumped, uh, get uh, into this. Fly fishing is totally different than anything we've talked about so far. I'm going to refer to using a spin cast, a spinning, and a bait casting uh, rod and reel uh, outfit as spinning or spin fishing. <clears throat> this is fly fishing. This is a fly rod and a fly reel. Generally speaking, Fly rods are much longer than spin rods. The reel of a fly fishing outfit is not as important as the reel of a spin outfit. The, the biggest difference is with spin fishing, we're relying upon the weight of the lure or the bait to make the cast. In fly fishing, we're relying upon the weight of the line to make the cast. And I'll, I'll show you what I mean by that um, in, in, in just a, a few minutes. Um, fly fishing is not something that most people take to very quickly. It, it is, it's different than spin fishing. And I'm going to go through this slide deck and then produce a, a video on some of the things that we'll, we'll touch on here. Um, <laughs> number one, it's really hard to talk about fly fishing without showing you fly fishing. So I'm going to rely more upon the, the demo video than I am uh, here, I'll, I'll just kind of cover some of the things that I'm not going to cover in the in the um, the, the fly demo. Anyway, uh, equipment uh, equipment's going to be I, a little bit more expensive than than spin fishing. A good fly rod, reel, line outfit. I'm going to say 150 bucks as a kind of an entry level. Uh, $250 will get you a, a very nice outfit and you can spend, well, you can drop $500 on this really quick and $1,000 fly rods are all over the place. Uh, if you want to go into high-end bamboo rods, you're talking $2,500, $3,500. Yes, I said that. $3,000 for a fly rod. Hey, if you got $3,000 spent on a fly rod, go for it, dude. You're keeping somebody in business because these things are hand-built by really, really awesome craftsmen. The core of a 
fly fishing outfit is going to be the fly line. And we can see right here that we've got a reel and backing, a fly line, a leader, and a tippet. The, the reel I mentioned is really, uh, honestly, nothing special, especially for your, your smaller fish, your, your, your trout, your panfish, uh, even into largemouth bass. Whenever you start to get into saltwater or, or large salmon, then you get into pretty expensive, uh, uh, complicated multiplier reels. Otherwise, one turn of the, um, uh, of the um, crank equals one revolution. It's, it's a one-to-one -one ratio. The, the backing is very common, braided Dacron line that you might use on your, your, your spin gear. Uh, that's attached to a fly line. A fly line is generally 100 feet long. Little variation, but basically they're all 100 feet. Attached to the fly line is a leader. The leader is monofilament line, just like we talked about in class, uh, except it's tapered. From number three, right there, you see the nail knot. It tapers down to number four. Now, the, the tippet is something that's added to a leader once the leader starts to become shortened. You cut off a fly, you tie on a new fly, you lose a fly up in the trees, you tie on a new fly. Every time you, you change flies, you're going to cut away a little bit of that leader. Pretty soon your, your nine foot leader is seven feet and it's not performing very well. Fly fishermen generally are rather, well, what's the word, um, cheap. And so instead of buying a new leader that might be six, seven, eight dollars, <throat> they'll buy a a spool of straight, plain monofilament line called a tippet, and then tie that on to extend that length. Fly fishing is also a sport of knots. As you can see right here, we have an arbor knot that attaches the back into the uh, reel, which you'd also have in spin. Uh, the Albright knot attaches the backing to the fly line. The nail knot attaches the fly line to the leader. And of course, we have to use a surgeon's knot to tie the tippet onto the leader and the improved clinch knot that we'd tie the, the fly onto the tippet, which we would use in spin fishing. <laughs> There's more knots in fly fishing than in spin fishing. Fly fishing is different from spin in the way we measure things. In spin fishing, we measure rods by ultra lightweight, lightweight, medium weight, heavyweight, extra heavyweight. In fly fishing, we still use the weight, but we assign a number to it. So I have a very nice number four weight fly rod. And I've recently built a number eight weight fly rod. And of course, I have a, a six weight. 
so we can match up the species that would be appropriate for these different weight fly rods. To keep things relatively simple, you would buy a four-weight fly line to go on your four-weight fly rod. So that's fairly consistent. There are some exceptions. I won't confuse you with those. Fly rod length generally is longer than spin fishing, although it's really interesting. Spin fishing, they're starting to go to longer rods because they have figured out that, generally speaking, the longer your rod, the easier it is to cast and the more distance you get from it. So it's I, I, I love seeing the kind of the collision between the, the spin fishing world and the fly fishing world. Uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> I think a nine foot is a, a really good uh, general purpose all-around rod. Um, some people are actually starting to move up into the 10-foot range for common rods. Where typically 10 and even 12 foot rods for you know things like uh, saltwater and and big salmon rods. Hook size can be equated to line weight. So if you're using a four weight fly rod, I'm not going to tie a number one number two hook onto that. Just not going to work. There's too much weight there. However, I can cast a number 22 quite easily with a four-weight rod, although I could never see a number 22 to tie it on. Uh, Eight-weight, um, I'll go up to a six uh, bluegill hook uh, if I'm trying to get away from the pesky little bluegills and um, uh, get a big bull. For an eight-weight, now I can move up to a, a number four all the way up to a three-aught hook, which would be, you know, a very appropriate uh, size for, for, for bass or, or pike or musky or something like that. So generally speaking, rods are measured between a number one weight, which I have never actually seen in real life, up to, I think they might be breaking into number 12. Uh, number 10 is considered a, a solid saltwater rod, which I've never actually seen one of those. A good combination to cover everything is to have a 4-weight, a 6-weight, and an 8-weight. Or you could have a 3-weight, a 5-weight, a 7-weight, maybe a 9-weight. <coughs> You can see that you don't have to have one of each rod. Some people do, but generally speaking, if you go even, you're going to cover all of your bases. Or you could go odd, just depending on, on how you swing. Um, fly rods are made out of graphite nowadays. They have been made out of fiberglass. In fact, there's some fiberglass devotees in the fly fishing world. They've been made out of wood, uh, apple, cherry. Probably the best natural 
fiber wood uh, rod is uh, bamboo, which technically is a grass. But bamboo fly rods, as I mentioned, I mean, they can be extraordinarily expensive. Fly lines are not made the same. We can actually shape the fly rod, uh, the fly lines. In, at the top here, you can see a level fly line used only for illustration purposes. Never, ever, 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 ever buy a level fly line. Absolutely 100% horrible. Actually, they're pretty good for tying up tomatoes to tomato steak, you know, in the, out in the garden. But otherwise, uh, level fly lines cast like, well, they don't cast. They're, 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 they're crap. What we've done with fly lines is we have shaped them. We've made some areas greater diameter and other areas a thinner diameter. So the weight forward line you see up here, has the bulk of its weight on one end of the fly line. You can see up here we have the two fish. This is the, the hook side. This is the reel side over here. So what we can do is attach a great big, you know, fluffy bass bug out here, and we have our leader and then we tie it on to our weight forward fly line. This greatly aids in casting. Now that we've put this weight out on the end of our fly line, it makes casting big wind resistant bugs so much easier. Back here we have what's called running line and once we get this you know, cast, this distance from here to here is probably about mm, 30 feet, maybe 25 feet. And of course, marketers can't leave this alone, so there's all types of different names for this. This is a standard weight forward line. This is a triangle taper line. You'll see rocket tapers, bass tapers, musky tapers. They're basically marketing terms. Uh, don't get hung up on that. Just know that these are all weight forward lines. Contrast with the double taper line. Now here you can see that this line is symmetrical. One end is exactly the same as the other. One of the big advantages of a double taper line is that it gives you a very beautiful, easy, well, not easy, a very, very nice, delicate cast. If you're trying to drop a number 18 uh, trico on top of a really, really finicky trout, this is the fly line you're going to want to use because it will make the most delicate cast. Compared to the weight forward line, that is kind of like throwing a wheelbarrow in a, in, in, out in the, the water. This is going to hit the water. It's going to, to leave a little bit of a splash. Uh, bass, we actually have to get their attention, so that's not a big deal. Where with trout 
or more more sensitive fish, um, you've got to be really, really, really stealthy. And the double taper allows you to do that. One other huge advantage of the double taper, you get two fly lines for the price of one. This part of the line back here is going to be unreal. It may never even see daylight. You're going to be using the forward part of the line. When this starts to wear and becomes unusable, flop the line and so now you're going to use this new line over here and literally you get two lines in one. Um, I use both. I have um, double taper on the four weight and um, weight forward on the eight weight. The six weight I believe also has uh, double taper. There's a lot more to fly lines that I'm not going to bore you with right now. <clears throat> fly fishing has a, a bad tendency of making things incredibly difficult. Uh, spin fishing, pretty easy. Um, buy spin cast, put a four or six pound line on it, uh, add a hook, add a worm, go catch a fish. Fly line, uh, fly fishing. There's a whole bunch of stuff into this. I mean, you will literally could literally spend the rest of your life studying the nuances of fly fishing. That's one of the real attractions to it, because there is so much that you could become involved with here. Or you could buy a hundred and fifty dollar package with a weight forward fly line a uh, one or two liters, tie a fly on it, go catch a whole mess of bluegill or largemouth bass. So you can get as deep into this as you want to, just like you can anything else. Now here's something interesting. Tenkara fishing. This is something that's been practiced in Japan for the last 500 years. It is a a style of fishing using a very long rod uh, between about 9 and 14 feet. Probably the average are around 12. And these are telescopic rods. They fold down into themselves. There's no reel. You're only using a fly line in a, with a leader that is generally as long as the rod. So if you have a 12-foot Tenkara rod, you have a 12-foot line and leader. In the truest form of Tenkara, you would tie one fly onto your rod and go fishing. If you lose that fly up into the trees, you go home. If a fish breaks it off, you go home. If you don't catch anything because the fish are taking something else, you go home. It's, it's that, that entire kind of Japanese, you know, mindset. Uh, very, very interesting. The uh, Tenkara style was used to catch these very small, we would call them brook trout in Japan, 
rarely would they get over eight inches long, but they were very much a delicacy. And there were professional Takara fishermen who lived in the mountains uh, of Japan who would catch these fish and then sell them to, to restaurants uh, down into the cities. And the last professional Tenkara uh, fisherman uh, died just a few years ago. He was, I think, 86 years old and had fished up until his uh, uh, 83rd year. And just really quite, quite amazing. Um, this is really kind of taking off in the U.S., uh, California. Well, everything starts in California. Um, and there's a lot of people who are getting into this. I think that if you have kids, this would be a fabulous way of introducing them to fishing. Uh, I would go with a shorter rod, but there's no reel. There's no reeling. There's no tangles. There's no spooling line. I mean, this is as simple as it gets, except for maybe a cane pole and 10 feet of fishing line. Huh. Funny how things kind of come around. Knots. I wanted to practice knots with everybody in class. I don't think that's going to happen now. So I'm going to leave you to visit animatednots.com and grab a piece of string and something with a... Um, uh, a loop in it and practice on your own. Uh, if you are fishing, here's a good opportunity to kind of review and learn how to teach somebody else to tie knots because that's one of the very hardest things that there, there is. Uh, the improved clinch knot, we talked about this in uh, uh, spin fishing. It's used very widely. It's a very good knot. One thing to remember about knots, uh, especially with monofilament, you may have a 10-pound test line. Then you tie a knot in it. Depending on the knot that you tie, you may only have a 5-pound test line. Some knots have a greater effect on breaking strength than other knots, and they rate these as percentages. So an improved clinch knot, I believe, is about an 85% knot, meaning that it only reduces the uh, breaking strength of a line by 15%. Some knots are 90%. Some knots are literally 50%. They're, they're, they're fancy knots, but they, they, they just don't hold very well. They weaken the line. So the improved clinch knot would be used to tie your, your leader or your tippet to a fly. The arbor knot is used to tie your backing to the arbor, or if you're spin fishing, your line directly into the arbor. And this is a really simple slip knot, basically, with an overhand stopper. That's all it is. Super, super simple. This is the Albright knot. It's used to tie two lines of dissimilar diameters. So the fly line is going to be thicker than the backing, and this is a really good knot. It looks a little bit more complicated than it is. You can tie this in about 
15 seconds. The nail knot. <laughs> this is the um, uh, quintessential fly fishing knot. You used to tie a leader to a fly line. You notice this little tube or a nail up here? The idea is that you're going to, in, ess in essence, tie where we come up here, we do wraps, and then we sneak back under the wraps, and it becomes a constrictor knot. I use nail knots, but there's a whole bunch of people who have kind of given up on this. Fly fishing has kind of moved towards using loop-to-loop -loop connections, and also a lot of the fly fishing fly line manufacturers realize that people are struggling with tying knots, and so they've gone to adding a tiny, I mean really tiny, stainless steel ring up here on the end of their fly lines. So that now you can, guess what, use an improved clinch knot to tie the leader onto the ring which is attached to the fly line. You don't really notice a difference in weight of the, of the tiny little stainless steel ring. <clears throat> and if it keeps people fishing, all the better for it. This is the surgeon's knot. It's used to tie the, uh, the uh, leader onto your tippet. It's basically a doubled overhand knot. And it's so much easier to show you how to tie this than it is to talk about how to tie this. So we'll leave that up to uh, animated knots or, of course, uh, netknots.com. From here on out, I have basically words and notes on fly casting, which is not going to make any sense right now, having not <clears throat> seen fly casting. I am so sorry about my voice. It is just breaking up all over the place this morning. So I'm going to leave these for your own perusal and use this in accompaniment with the, uh, the demonstration video uh, that I'll do. So the next area we'll get into is um, fly fishing flies, which is so incredibly cool. I will try to limit my enthusiasm uh, and the length of the, um, the, the recording. Um, we'll talk about that next time.